Pastor Carl has been talking about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, how we see and feel the presence of the Spirit, sometimes playful, sometimes powerful, sometimes convicting. The creative Spirit blows the breath of life into us. It empowers God's people, giving power without pride in oneself, but confidence in God. The Spirit gives words to prophets so they can speak truth and call us to justice. The Holy Spirit anoints the people of God to carry out God's mission. The prophet Isaiah speaks a lot about the Holy Spirit. Isaiah began his ministry almost 740 years before Jesus walked this earth. His four decades of service were over a time of political intrigue and disruption for the people of Israel, both Judah to the south and Israel or Samaria to the north. Isaiah served during the reign of four different kings of Judah. And he had disciples who carried on his ministry and his school of prophecy generations after he died. Jesus quoted Isaiah when he stood up to begin his ministry, saying, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. So Isaiah is a big deal in scripture. Many say today that the Bible and our faith don't have anything to do with politics. You should always avoid those discussions. We should keep those separate. But the problem with that is it would eliminate most of the Bible. And it would certainly eliminate all of the prophets. The book of Isaiah is a master class in faith and politics. It describes a nation that repeatedly forsook their God and what God does in return to get their attention and bring them back. In those days, there was a threat from the north. It was the great kingdom of Assyria, a kingdom that was strong and vile. They were like the Borg of the 700 centuries before Christ. Warrior people known for flaying their captives alive. I mean, they were nasty. You did not want to be conquered by them. But who was it that God chose to be an instrument as a tool to bring back his people? The Assyrians. That is who God chose to punish the rebellious Israelites. The prophet Isaiah explains God's role in this political and spiritual upheaval. The Assyrian army marched south, and it, it waged a scorched earth campaign against Samaria and then on towards Judah. Isaiah describes how Assyria laid bare the forests and the people, devastating the nation. They ravished Samaria, and down they moved toward Jerusalem. But before they got there, Assyria's success went to their heads. They got greedy, and they got proud, and they overreached God's plan for them to be a punisher of his people. 
So Isaiah pronounces that God would intervene. And Isaiah writes how the Assyrian aggressor would soon itself be cut down by the axe of the Lord. Lesson learned, God's people's bondage will be over, and that remnant that survives will become something special out of that barren emptiness that was once a lush forest. A tree stump would produce new life. First a bud, then a branch. Sort of like my blueberry bushes that have been eaten to the core by rabbits over the wintertime with the hope that there will be a bud that comes out and give new life. Remember who Jesse is? Jesse, the father of David? Isaiah talks about him. The stump of Jesse would regrow. And the Spirit of God is going to be all over it. You might remember today's reading being read during Advent, those weeks before Christmas, when we look to the coming of Christ, the Messiah. An anointed leader is going to come. Earlier, Isaiah said that this leader, or someone like him, would be a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We read these words, or some of us every Christmas have sung these words in Handel's Messiah, and we think of who? Of Jesus. We're Christians, we think of Jesus. Earlier Jews might also think of a Messiah, but one that would help them at that time. A leader who would redeem them in their situation and tell them what to do, who would fight for them, fend off their enemies and lead them back to God so that they could repopulate and heal their broken land. In those words of a stump coming out of Jesse, Israel might also understand that they themselves, this remnant that's left over, will be a branch blessed by an outpouring of the Spirit as this nation is restored. Hear these wonderful words again and listen to what the Spirit is going to provide for them. Am I all right speaking? I'm hearing a big echo. Is this okay? Okay. Isaiah writes, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, of counsel and might, of knowledge and a spirit of the fear of the Lord. So all these things, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. So wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and fear of the Lord. The Spirit's going to bring all those things. The required leader doesn't have to go to military, a strategic military training camp or take courses in diplomacy. Rather, the leader will be anointed with the Spirit of the Lord. And when that leader enters the room, the wisdom and the counsel and the might of God enters along with him. When that leader speaks to other leaders, the words from his mouth carry divine weight. The calm joy emanating from this leader will lower the volume of fear-mongering or, or 
warmongering or fearful rhetoric and instead will inspire proper awe and trust in the God of Israel. Or with a wider view, that whole remnant, all the people left, and there won't be that many left after the Assyrians get done with them, that remnant of Israel will be that way. They will be anointed by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God brings wisdom. Wisdom on how to act, wisdom on how to be, wisdom for how to sort the affairs of nations and communities, wisdom about God's purposes. Spirit-led wisdom and understanding will bring people together again. It will give them a new lease on life. What does it mean to be wise? I have a friend who talks about the difference between smart or intelligent and wise. To be smart, he says, is to know that a tomato is a fruit. It is. Botanically, a tomato is a fruit. It's that part of the, of the plant that bears the seeds and is going to drop and create new tomatoes. It's a fruit. Now, knowing that might make you feel well, kind of smart, because not everybody knows that. And when Pastor Carl returns, you might want to ask him that. What he's, did he learn that? Did he get smart? Did he learn that a tomato is a fruit? If he's really learned anything at all during those years that he's been studying, you might want to check that out. So being smart is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. But wisdom, my friend says, is to know that you don't put a tomato in a fruit salad. In other words, to be wise is to go beyond the facts and the data and the observation it's to go beyond what we've learned and into another realm of how that information is best used and in spiritual matters best used for the purposes of God. Isaiah says something important about the kind of wisdom that the Spirit brings. He says, because this person has been anointed, he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes, or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. And with justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. All too often we jump to judgment by what we hear and what we see, rather than listening deeply without preconceptions of what we're going to hear or why this person might be telling us this thing. We make judgments and decisions based on what we see with our limited human eyes, rather than stepping back and seeing that wider, huge picture that God sees of why this is happening and why that's happening and why these situations have come about. God's view. Leaders, and really anyone, who form quick judgments and make what seem like obvious decisions may be missing the nudging of the Spirit. And I know sometimes in my life it's not just been a nudging, it's been a whack upside the head. Sometimes we just, we need that in order for God to say, hey, be wise, listen, 
The wisdom and understanding the Spirit of God provides leads to righteousness and justice. In other words, to right relationship and adequate access for everybody. The needy and the poor will have access to resources. They will have fairness, equity, and they will have access to power. The Spirit doesn't give us wisdom so that we can flaunt it. It doesn't give us understanding so that we can help ourselves alone. The Spirit anoints with wisdom that leads to actions that fulfill God's priorities. Now, in the Covenant Church, we say that God's priorities are that lost people are found and hurting people are helped. That is what we're given wisdom to see and to do. And that is what wisdom will make our hearts desire. You may know someone who has this kind of wisdom. Someone whose thinking and doing is aligned with God's priorities rather than what we see with our eyes or what we hear with our ears. How can you and I assess such wisdom of the Spirit? Well, unfortunately, the world is not the place. The world gives us false messages about what's important to God. God isn't interested in our teams or in our, the parties that we root for, these human creations. God isn't in favor of our jealousies. He doesn't protect our grudges. He's not bound by our fears or, or our lack of insight. God doesn't look at the earth and see borders. God created all people in his image. And so we all stand equally loved by him, no matter who you are or where you're from. If our own wisdom creates communities and a world where people will do anything to protect the group they identify with, if they'll do anything to win, or if they will use their church to put other churches down, or if they will expect their nation and support their nation to lord it over others, or if their fears limit justice, then the Holy Spirit is not working in that. That's not the kind of wisdom the Spirit gives. That's no wisdom at all. We're following some other spirit when our thinking goes to those outcomes. When our leaders, indeed, when all believers seek the Holy Spirit and take time to reflect on God's priorities, then there's a chance that the Spirit's wisdom will be found and righteousness and justice will follow. Now, the people of Israel, they didn't always do that. In fact, they rarely did that. Sometimes it's amazing. You read and think, is this really a holy book? Because there's so much unholiness in here. Later in the book, in his scroll of, of prophecy, Isaiah writes this. Woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord, to those who carry out plans that are not mine, forming an alliance, but not by my spirit, heaping sin upon sin, who go down to Egypt without consulting me, who look for help to Pharaoh's protection 
to Egypt's shade for, for refuge. Israel and Judah tried to form alliances with these Assyrians so that they wouldn't be crushed. Well, that didn't work. And then they, the, the northern group, they went and formed a secret alliance with Egypt to unite against their oppressor. But God wasn't having that either. That didn't work. Those alliances were not by his spirit. The prophet Isaiah shows us the consequences of seeking wisdom outside of the Holy Spirit. Not by my spirit, says the Lord. When we choose to seek our strength or our hope or our future in dubious people or groups of people or places, then woe is in our future. In fact, Isaiah goes on to say, shame and disgrace will be the result. Such is the price of rebellion, of rejecting the Spirit. Isaiah continues, For these are rebellious people, deceitful children, children unwilling to listen to the Lord's instruction. They say to the seers, to the prophets, See no more visions! And to the prophets, Give us no more visions of what is right. Tell us, Pleasant things. Prophesy illusions. Leave this way. Get off this path and stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. Do you ever want to say that to God? Just give me pleasant things. Don't give me these visions of, of righteousness. Don't confront me. Leave me alone. Well, Isaiah would have us consider why we want to say that and what alliances we might be making that would take us away from listening to the Spirit of God and making an alliance with God. So he asks, where do we seek wisdom? How do we make decisions? Is the outcome of our decision-making generally justice and righteousness for all people? Or does the outcome elevate us and ours at the expense of other people? Are we putting ourselves in places where the Holy Spirit can teach us understanding, even in and perhaps especially in areas where we think we know what's going on? We've got it covered. We get this. Sometimes those are exactly the places where this wisdom, the Spirit of God, needs to challenge us. Or do we regularly allow the Spirit to take us deep, whatever the cost to our opinions and to our comfort? Do we drench ourselves in Scripture and prayer do we set aside time for God to hear the Spirit? The older I get and the more time I spend pastoring, the more I find out that I, I really don't know very much. I'm not very wise. I wish I were, but I'm not. My wisdom is partial. You know, that in the mirror darkly thing, that, that's me. I have to listen more deeply 
and ask better questions. Not the obvious questions, but honest questions that I don't know the answers to. Parker Palmer says, honest questions are the questions we ask that we don't already know the answer. You know, sometimes we ask questions and we kind of figure we know the answer, so we ask them because we're going to sound smart. Not those questions. Questions where we really don't know the answer, to dare to ask those questions. Questions that might be painful. Questions that ask me to face what I don't want to talk about. What I don't want to acknowledge or admit, like my fears, my weaknesses, my lack of reliance on God, my love of reputation or position or power, my lack of concern for the welfare of other people as long as I'm comfortable. Increasingly, I become aware that God's wisdom may ask me to accept answers that are not going to be to my own personal advantage. But he's going to use those answers in some larger way that I simply cannot understand. We are often humbled when God's wisdom gets a hold of us. Have you noticed that in your life? When the spirit of wisdom and understanding falls upon our leaders, on us and in our community, on our churches, there's no prideful arrogance involved. Rather, there is a messy working out of peace. So friends, what wisdom are you seeking today? Ask God to anoint you with his spirit of wisdom and understanding, of counsel and might, and the fear of the Lord. Ask God to bless Pastor Carl and all the leaders here in Fruitland with the spirit-led wisdom God gives, with, with understanding. Be ready and willing to relinquish human wisdom in favor of the Spirit's far better, perfect wisdom. And then look out. Look out and watch for what God will do among you.